0: Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And the crisis is over, the Earths have merged, and a lot has changed. So, for this episode, we thought we should take a look at constants and how they relate to change and variation.
1: Yes. So, how did we get to this topic? A question that Cycles also asked when (laughs) we were thinking about how to tackle the aftermath of crisis and frame this new world, essentially, that all the characters are in at the moment. And so, my starting place was. Okay, then you look for what is the same and you use that as your signal for how to interpret what then is different. And so if you think about it, there are lots of examples of this that we see in real life, particularly if you draw on like math or the sciences thinking to astronomy, for example, which is a nice link to Kara and Astra teaching her how to interpret the stars. (laughs) But typically within astronomy, you have the North Star as your reference point for trying to understand how to map the rest of the stars in the sky, because it's the fixed object that you can use to understand and interpret the rest of what's around you and make it make sense. Mm -hmm. So in a broader context, then, our constants are the things that will ground our sense of reality or our sense of time and place, particularly when we're exploring new ideas or we're trying to make comparisons. So anyone, if you've ever done in school a scientific experiment of some sort or you've studied psychology, you will know that you want to have constants when you're doing an experiment so that you can judge whether or not a new variable that you've introduced is actually affecting people in any noticeable way. So think like in a medical trial, which we've seen a few of those in the context of Supergirl. <laughs> yes. Maybe we'll see more. Or like Lena's robot experiments, <laughs> etc. So then in terms of looking at characters and they're being re-established in this new setting with some new background context, maybe there's going to be some new world building developing a little bit going forward. We have to say, okay, well then what do we look to in this case to be able to figure out what is still constant, what hasn't changed? And so the first big thing we would look at is person Personality and what has stuck mm-hmm. in the changeover. Because from psychology, we know that personality will mature over time and some of our what's known as the big five personality traits will maybe become more pronounced as we age due to our life experience and our exposure to different things in our environment. The core traits that were always very strong in a person and particularly how those traits are combined with each other tend to stay constant throughout the sum of a person's life and so these are things like how extroverted or introverted somebody is another trait is agreeableness which can be seen as being compassionate or trusting and respectful Mm -hmm. versus uncaring and argumentative and we see a a few people on (laughs) each side of that Mm. in this episode and the other ones are conscientiousness which is kind of like attention to detail and how hard you work and negative emotionality are you prone to worrying are you prone to being sad or having mood swings or are you calm are you really stable Mm -hmm. throughout emotional ups and downs and the last one is your sense of open mindedness how much you're interested in new ideas and imaginative versus kind of disinterested in things that are artistic or aesthetically pleasing or really abstract the other thing that makes personality a really good guide for understanding what has changed for these characters or what hasn't is the The fact that personality has been found to be a very strong predictor of behavior to the point that even in an experiment, strangers can accurately predict how a person will behave in their kind of mundane everyday tasks just based on knowing certain qualities about their personality. Hmm. And that's actually a relatively new study that's come out in the past five years or so. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So personality is something you look to in terms of constants. And that, of course, relates to this idea of like the self and then others. And – Hmm. Something that we'll be looking at in this podcast episode is how the characters may perceive themselves as constants or not, and (laughs) others as constants or not, and how personality definitely plays into both those conceptions.
1: Yeah, so then in terms of our reset Earth Prime, what are we looking at besides like, okay, how much do the personalities of our core cast match what we knew of them before, what things might be slightly different, what things might be really different, and then how are we meant to really get a sense of how to judge what the changes are and how they've impacted people. Mm -hmm. And this episode, it had a lot of exposition, much like a season premiere, but for the reason of, essentially, this is like a (laughs) mini-season premiere, trying to give us a sense of what is the same so that we can recognize where the worlds have genuinely started to diverge. So first thing we know, CatCo has still taken a turn away from Cat's leadership, and Andrea is now in charge of it, as she was before. Before, although it looks like maybe her product launch has taken a slightly different turn. Yeah.
0: We also saw that Car still stands for Hope, Helping, and Compassion. And she uses it to sell the Luthers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's the DEO's motto now, which is weird and interesting. So that has changed, but that core quality of CAR obviously had not in this like alternate earth. Correct.
1: And related to that, we saw Alex still ended up at the DEO. Mm-hmm. Much like she also did in Elseworlds, if you think back to that. And related to that, we see that the core kind of family bonds or found family that were established in the first four and a half seasons of the show do still exist in
0: more or less the same ways. They're still present and like supportive. and
1: Yes. And like Nia's still there. She still ends up at CatCo. She and Kara are still friends. The basics are still aligned. <laughs> yes. And speaking of qualities in people that are still aligned, <laughs> Lena, we discover, is Still not willing to accept that Kara made a mistake. Mm-hmm. She's not seeing this as an opportunity <laughs> for change. She is not seeing their death and chance to get a do over. <laughs> as a reason to change anything. No, <laughs> presently. Maybe she will. Well, I think she wants to, but she's afraid to. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that later. Yes. So, now that we we've talked about kind of what we are looking at in terms of individual characters and we'll break that down further in a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's also start with kind of the big, as I joke to you, the galaxy brain <laughs> level ways that we are seeing this contrast between things staying the same and things changing. I liked that meme because it worked really well with all the brainiacs. <laughs> Me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we saw our heroes sort of try to figure out what is still consistent here. What can I trust? And Kara went on a lot of face journeys in this process. (laughs) It was pretty fun. Yes. And then we have some of the more contentious characters (laughs) from villains to antagonists interacting with these galaxy brain level plans. So we have obviously Myriad is still in play with Lena. Then we have the virtual reality lenses at Obsidian Tech, which are getting an upgrade of some sort Mm. in the future. And then we have the bottled Earth. And then we had this big brain concept. And they all had an interesting relationship with... Change. And most of them are an attempt to break from naturally occurring change and naturally occurring constants, except for the big brain, which is kind of presented like a more natural progression for the Kaluans, as opposed to an attempt to reshape the lives of many. <laughs> so we have the bottled planets, which we find out Brainy wanted to use when he was a child to sort of capture the experience that he had during his little vacation and bottle it. And it serves a kind of similar function to. To perhaps virtual reality, where you can choose to live an experience at any time repeatedly, but that it necessarily is removed from life because of the amount of control that you have over it. It's virtual reality, not reality, reality. And we find out that within the bottle, planets are in kind of a stasis. The emo <laughs> brainy with the math jacket <laughs> was the one who came from that earth that was in the bottle and he wanted to release it. Well, he makes kind
1: of the similar point that Kara made to the monitor during the first half of the crossover about what about all of their lives too hmm. but he wanted to do it knowing that it would actually
0: like destroy everything yes <laughs> <laughs> which is a very different it's not a issue. quite rational response no. to what happened which we'll talk about <laughs> rational responses but the earth inside of the bottle is stuck in a stasis and he says is that truly life or is it just some hideous form of distasteful death a very dramatic way of saying that if they can't continue on within that bottle to live life normally then is it really life, which kind of sends the message that change is life. You can't have everything be constant. You can't have things stay the same forever. (laughs) Your vacation can't last forever. You need variation. And then we have Myriad, which Lena seeks to use to essentially destroy variation in personality, take out all the bad parts so that everything is predictable for her. And we'll talk about that also. (laughs) Yeah. And we can make the argument, and like people have with regard to Eve, that it's a form of death to destroy who a person was. And like you know, Eve may come back to her former self, but the lack of variation in a personality, the lack of faults removes the personhood from a person. can't have a character without faults either. That's the part that makes you alive.
1: Well, it's also in terms of if you think about storytelling, if you have characters who don't have obstacles to overcome, who don't have flaws, you have a very boring story. Yes. And so for us as viewers, like we we don't want Lena's world because <laughs> there would be nothing to watch. Like... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: nothing fun would happen exactly ever nothing to overcome and strive for no reason to be alive (laughs) so that's the sort of personality version of if there's no variation then is it really life and then we have the virtual reality version of that where you can control everything that happens to you even the challenges you face and as we kind of saw with lena when she was using the virtual reality to sort of bounce her own ideas back at her there's no progression forward there's no way to change or to grow in that environment. Yeah, you are constant. Yes. (laughs) And then we saw one of the heads of Leviathan interacting with Andrea, quote unquote, Gemma was her name. The way that she pitched a virtual reality, like a full virtual reality to Andrea, where like a cohesive place that people could go, was interesting the way she phrased it. That was leveled up from (laughs) our previous reality. So what's Leviathan up to exactly? Mm. But she said, imagine a whole new world, a whole new reality for harmed and damaged people. They can live. Live their dream lives and eventually they could stay there indefinitely, which I found to be quite sinister. <laughs> like she wants to group up the quote unquote harm and damaged people and send them off into this alternate reality.
1: It is actually a weird form of eugenics by another name, yeah, which we saw in season four. So, well, we didn't see that directly, <laughs> but there were a lot of parallels to Nazism, so mm-hmm. it was there, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, it is interesting that she's flagging it because remember, Kelly is there and we saw her in that scene very briefly Mm. thinking that they're helping people who have mental health issues and mental health crises. Yeah. And here the idea is, well, we're going to just suck them in, separate them from the better parts of society and like (laughs) leave them in a stagnant place forever in a fantasy world. Mm
0: -hmm. And it kind of in that way serves the same role that Myriad would in that it removes all of the negative questions qualities of humanity or the people of Earth and stuffs them away in little boxes. Oh, little boxes!
1: This is an interesting kind of concept because it comes up in a lot of different sci-fi, particularly dealing with technology. Like, if you want to go with a really straightforward example, you think of Disney did Wall-E, mm-hmm. which dealt with this similar idea. When you're in a time of high uncertainty, high instability, whether it's political or because of natural resources being in short supply or war, or what have you, you do see this natural human inclination to gravitate toward those escapists. Solutions When they are available mm-hmm. Because it gives us all this illusion Of being in control Over what is happening around us And it gives us an ability to feel like There's a degree of stability Or consistency mm-hmm. in our lives Even when there really isn't And so I appreciate that the show Is maybe going to start to explore that
0: A little bit mm-hmm.
1: I mean we have to see where it goes But the thoughts are in there So
0: it's <laughs> a step in the right direction Yes uh, <laughs> So we see this like idea that When you feel like psychologically uncertain or vulnerable if you want to tie or it back vulnerable. to our theme mm, yes you seek something that is constant and which makes that plan particularly insidious because people like kelly want to use it as a positive coping mechanism but it's about moderation and even with that technology the obsidian lenses someone like kelly can use that to push people out of their comfort zone and we talked about this before with relation to technology and how there has to be that kelly element <laughs> where there's another person involved mm to add that change and variation for growth. But this brings us to the characters within this episode who have that same urge to seek out something constant. And not just because of everything that has just happened and all the change that occurred because of the crossover and the earth merging, but because of the trauma that they have experienced, some of the characters. Tying back to that idea of personality, something that we see consistently with characters is if they are particularly traumatized in one way or another, they may resist change. Because unlike what Emo Brady said about the bottled earth, which was essentially the idea that change is life, change can feel dangerous or like a threat. For instance, for Kara, obviously, we know that she has lost everything before. Even interestingly, tying back to what you were talking about with the stars, how there's Mm. the North Star that stays constant, she's looking at an entirely different sky. So when she experiences change, and she's talked about how she doesn't like it before, it feels like loss to her. She feels like she's losing something. Mm.
1: And that's her immediate instinct is to read it that way, Mm -hmm. because that was such a Jake to her foundation
0: as a person. Yes. And, you know, speaking of foundations to these characters, Lena, she was emotionally, psychologically abused as a child and into adulthood. Well, and after losing her mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But particularly that abuse has shaped the way that she perceives variation in others and not being Mm -hmm. able to control and keep others constant. If she can't control others, obviously we're seeing with her myriad plot, then that is dangerous to her and to everyone else. And then, you know, speaking of control, we have Rainey, who we find out in this episode fears turning into his family. He has witnessed how malicious family members and ancestors of his have been. You know, Think about what's happening in the future with Brainiac, the first Brainiac. So he copes with that and with the event that happened in his childhood with how he was behaving unkindly by trying to control himself with the personality inhibitors, three of them. So if he can't keep himself constant and in control, then he could be a danger to others. So those are the three characters we're seeing trying the hardest to re-establish themselves and find their footing in this changed world. So let's take a closer look at Kara. For Kara, pretty much the biggest journey for this character is about discovering and preserving home, one of the biggest themes for the character. And that is because, like we said, Kara lost everything all at once before, and that's the root of her fear of change. And she wants to personally (laughs) make sure that never happens to anyone else. Which is a big ask. Yes. (laughs) And she's assigned it to herself. (laughs) Yes, she is. She wants to become the Northern Star. (laughs) She could
1: do it. She could do it. If anyone on Earth could, she would pull it off. Yes.
0: And in this episode, she's faced with... Other people who are dealing with the same kind of loss that she experienced that formed her so. And she said to Emo, <laughs> Bottle Earth Brainy, I know what you're going through. How responsible you must feel. And it's kind of telling that she assumes that he will feel very responsible the same way that she feels responsible for others.
1: Well, and it makes sense that it would be on her mind Given that they spent all that time in the vanishing point and that to her feels recent, mm-hmm. whereas to everybody else, including Alex, it's like, oh, that was a fun idea that Jean implanted in my head. Yeah. Neat. I was dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for Kara, that is such a big part of what shaped her life going forward from her early adolescence.
0: And it's interesting how she phrases the sort of stowaways from this other earth. She says they're all orphans. That's terrible, which is a word chosen because it reminds her of her experience and actually being an orphan. And she says it while she's looking at the witches who... She last saw when they were trying to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But she, the point is that she, at this point, she's accessing like her compassion and looking at them knowing that they too lost Krypton once, and they just lost Argo, and they just lost this Earth. So her decision obviously is to try to fix what she can and help and that moment of her talking
1: to Emo Brainy was very intentionally staged and written to parallel the scene between her and Jean in episode one eleven when she's trying to convince Jean not to give up the remaining parts of himself and give in and kill the white Martian. She says very clearly very similar dialogue to the emotions that Brainy is expressing. I lost everything. Yeah, the same sentiment and talking about how devastating that is emotionally, but that you you can't let that win. Yeah. But Kara, even as she's acknowledging that pain that the other Brainy is feeling, she knows from personal experience that you can't give into it. Mm -hmm. And so that is why she is the paragon (laughs) of hope, because she does believe things can get better. But she's also actively trying to make things better, which we talked about in the first crossover about the symbolism of hope and hope as an action.
0: Yeah. And the way that Kara consistently deals with seeing other people suffering the way that she suffered is to try to help them and and fix what she can about the situation. And she tries to be herself a kind of constant. Mm.
1: And one of the other approaches that Kara will take is that she reassures people that they have constant things about themselves that they can cling to as well. Mm -hmm. So as you said before, you have the idea of the self. So recognizing your own goodness and your own ability to maybe do good. And also by reminding people of the connections to their loved ones and that Those people will always be there to support them, whether figuratively, literally, or both. And for her, she means it literally because she is a superhero. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh.
0: But Cora, obviously, as we talk about all the time, draws from her own experiences when dealing with other people and trying to help them. And she knows in her life, Alex has been her constant. Someone she can always Mm -hmm. go to when things are falling apart, which was why season four was difficult for her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and we also, we talked about this in our wrap-up of the crossover in our podcast episode 50 as well, about Alex being that thing that grounds her sense of reality Mm -hmm. when she kind of comes back to herself. Yeah,
0: And then Kara has talked about for instance, in her Hoop speech in season one, speaking of Myriad, that when she came to Earth, people helped her and now she wants to give that back to them and play that same role. And I find it really interesting that Kara has a pretty (laughs) constant pattern with dealing with a specific problem that some of her friends have, which is when Brainy, Lena, and Wynne... All people with terrible parents. Yes. Doubt their own internal goodness and fear what they could do, what they could become in the future. She specifically will reassure them that in their hearts, like at their core, they are good. And then she will also follow up like, and I'm here no matter what. Mm. With Brainy in this episode, she says, you're good to your core. You will never be your mother, which (laughs) reminds me of Lena setting them up us parallels in this episode. And then when Brainy asks Kara, how could you be sure? She says, because you're loved and the people that love you will always fight for you.
1: Mm, and Nia reiterated that later.
0: Mm-hmm. Like a good mentee of Kara's. <laughs> yes. And then with Lena, she does the same thing. When Lena expresses that she's going to be afraid of the person that she might be because of how much she has lost in her life, Kara's like, you don't have to be afraid. And then asserts that Lena's not going to lose her. I'm not going anywhere. I will always be your friend and I will always protect you. Which is a moment of, like, worry at the time, because we all know the Luther super history.
1: Well, but it's also really interesting in light of Lena's decisions not to trust that constancy from Kara, because season four took great pains to establish that when Kara says that to somebody, she means it. hmm Yeah. So we'll see if that message
0: eventually sinks in and then when who's coming back in the next episode he in season one feared turning into his father becoming toy man like which we're going to see an alternate earth Win mm-hmm. who has it seems like become that
1: well yes and he had that nice line in season one where he expressed to Kara the fear that his genes were a ticking time bomb mm. and there are going to be some explosives <laughs>
0: in the next Ooh. episode so that could be fun yes so Kara says to Win to reassure him that she knows that Wynne won't turn into his father. Because the day your world was destroyed, you didn't give in to rage and hate like your father, like my aunt. And then she reassures him that you and your father aren't the only ones that are linked. We are too, and I'm not going to let anyone mess with that. So she's very confident and assured <laughs> when she delivers these promises to her friends that she's always going to be there. She very much believes it. And it's how she reacts to her friends when they are experiencing change. And she even specifically connects the concept of change between her sort of origin story and Wynn's origin story in saying that they were similar, the course of our lives changed in a single moment. Hmm. So she tries to play this role of being a constant force to handle difficult changes that happen in other people's lives. But something that interestingly interplays with that and something that Kara is struggling with with regard to change is her ability to judge character. Mm. This is what they seem to be tackling the most with Kara and her character and whether or not she's right in her judgments of the character of other people. It is something that she has previously relied upon fully, something she saw as a constant, but that may be changing and she may be wrong sometimes in her judgments of others. So the ability to judge character for her is a constant in the sense of like judging others, but also a constant in the sense of who she feels she is herself. Mm. And it's a struggle in this episode where she, in this other reality, actually worked with Lex. Alex says they were excellent collaborators. But we find out that Lex was not perhaps genuinely a good guy, which we'll talk about more in how he presumably killed William's best friend in that timeline. Perhaps among others. Yes. But Carr is faced with the fact that she has to change how she deals with Lex when she would rather just kind of Throw him in jail and not have to like adjust to everyone else's opinions of him. And the fact that she has no, like, concrete evidence. (laughs) Yeah. And then we also see, in terms of judging character, the witches reappear, who were season three villains. And she reacts very strongly (laughs) when she first sees them and has to be reminded, those aren't your witches. I liked
1: the cinematography of it because it was unsettling for you as the viewer as well. And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Something's
0: (laughs) not right here. Yes. But Kara historically reacts very strongly based on her impressions of people because... (laughs) She she sure does. ...has faith in them. (laughs) Yes. She only is really willing to change her opinion of people when she thinks it's like the right thing to do because of outside forces. But we see that if she hadn't accepted that they weren't the same, then she wouldn't have been able to reach them in the final battle in Alsbar when she compelled them to make a different choice. And she sort of played that role of reaching the witches so that the witches could then try to reach Emo Brainy. But one thing that did not change, it seems very much, in this episode, in terms of personality and Carr's ability to judge character is William, who still has a similar kind of origin story in that his best friend died and he reacts the same way in how he is seeking out the truth and is seeking justice for his friend. It seems like that trait of his is constant.
1: Mm, Yeah. And that was reassuring for her in the
0: (laughs) midst of like bizarre world where uh-huh. everyone was clapping for Lex. She was like, wait, we can be friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but with the witches and with Lex, we're getting kind of the message that constant isn't always good. <laughs> yeah. As much as it is comforting. And this is something I think Kara probably recognizes on some level because, you know, this idea of stasis and the bottled earth, there's no change in that situation. And there was no change when she was in the Phantom Zone for 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) There sure wasn't. And there was no change when she was stuck in The Vanishing Point. That's a lie, Ryan. Grew a beard. (laughs) But Kara in this episode obviously understands, because of her experience with losing her planet, you can't undo the past. In order to save this bottled Earth, this other brainy needs to accept what has happened and that they can't rush to undo what has happened. Things are going to be different for a little while and, in a sense, different forever. But the one area where right now Kara is pretty much refusing to accept change herself is in recognizing that Lena isn't just a victim. She says, I know Lena. She's in just as much danger as everyone else, which is just not true. And it's interesting because she said this right after she spoke to William, who was kind of a reaffirming force in sense mm-hmm. of like, oh, okay, I know who people are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's an interesting contradiction because as we'll talk about in a minute when we get to the Luthers, Lena is in fact being very consistent about who she <laughs> is and where she yeah. Stands, And what's even more interesting in that scene where Kara goes to talk to her is that they reiterate that this is a stance that Lena's been taking for years mm. now and has been consistent on. And I think also somewhat intentionally the show has led the audience to take that misdirect mm. as
0: well. But she's not recognizing that perhaps she herself needs to change. Mm.
1: Yeah, which is funny because they've been building this idea for a couple of years now that there was going to be this rift. Mm -hmm. And the episode where they established that it was coming happened way back in the middle of season three, right about this point in the season. And that was the season in which there were major Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, Kara, parallel overtones everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the episode where we got this very blatant indication that the split with Lena was coming Was called For Good Which is the name of a song in The musical Wicked about The Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz Mm -hmm. and Her relationship with Glinda the Good Witch Of the North and the chorus of the song Repeats this idea of they're talking to each Other about the impact they've had on each other's Lives and they keep asking this Question over and over of who can say If I've actually been changed for the Better I just know I've been changed For good in the sense of permanently And this song comes from The finale of the Musical where these two friends are finally crossing paths again after having not spoken to each other directly for years and having been acting, it seems, in opposition to each other. And They never actually interact again, essentially, Mm. at that point. And I bring this up because in the scene where Kara goes to confront Lena thinking, oh my God, she doesn't know I'm Supergirl. I have to do it right this time. Mm. Kara actually says a line that comes from the Act 1 finale of the (laughs) musical Wicked with blocking that is very similar to the same scene in the musical. She says, think of what we could do together, which is a line that Elphaba says to Glinda trying to appeal to her to maintain their friendship and have them continue to work together. And Lena, much like in the musical, rejects that offer and the song in the musical ends with both of them saying, well, I hope you're happy with your choice mm. and that's it. And then they kind of part ways from there permanently. Mm. So given Lena's constancy on her read of how Kara treated her and Kara's kind of reluctance to accept it, I guess we will see how that plays out within this new dynamic with the Luthers, which has changed, but not so much. Yes. Let's dive into that. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got this new Lex Luthor who's reinvented himself (laughs) as a much more socially acceptable sociopath.
0: (laughs) So the Lex that we see on our screens and in the episode, for the most part, minus the advertisement, is the same Lex that we've been with the whole time. He is just adapting to the situation he's in. But we do have some interesting hints at perhaps what this other Lex was like. Oh, you mean before his consciousness merged with Earth Prime, I guess? Yes. In this reality where Lex had formed himself into this philanthropist figure. So in terms of personality and constance, personality disorders, which Lex has two of, <laughs> are by definition consistent in that they're chronic maladaptive patterns of behavior and and personality disorders are the hardest to treat with therapy. Yeah, they are <laughs> the least curable. Yes. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's, being, there's some like headway with Lex is a sociopath, but he is also a narcissist because sociopaths are necessarily narcissists.
1: And from a psychological point of view, one of the most interesting thing about narcissists is that it's typically one of the most difficult personality disorders to treat because many people with it don't think they have a problem, mm-hmm. which then obviously. <laughs> makes it really hard to motivate them to change when they think that they're great the way they are.
0: And the (laughs) idea that they aren't is a direct attack to and and plays into all of Mm -hmm. their systems of personality (laughs) that they have set up. And so with narcissism, the most central characteristic is that they continuously seek to validate their self-perceived grandiosity, esteem, entitlement, and power. But there are two interesting distinctions between types of narcissists that I found that relate to Lex and this other version of Lex, in that there's an agentic narcissist who think of the word agency. This narcissist will value competence, extroversion, and uniqueness. And that's the way that they validate their ego. So something they will commonly think is, I'm the most intelligent person. Mm. Now compare this to the communal narcissist. They value warmth, agreeableness, and relatedness. So like being connected to others. And this is their means of validating their ego. And they will say, I'm the most caring person. I've saved the most people. Yes. And you will commonly see like there's a detachment from the people they're actually helping. Hmm, We talked about this with Lillian a little bit, I think. Yes. Which we'll talk about again. But this alternate universe sort of Earth Prime Lex seems like a good guy on the outside, but he might be this other form of narcissist, a communal narcissist. Like he does all these positive things like we see on Lena. The search history with Luther and Super that he took down Agent Liberty with Supergirl, which is a complete reversal of what happened <laughs> in our timeline.
1: Yes, but we do know he was mad about being manipulated into it. So, mm, true. He seems like he's maybe rewritten reality to make himself also feel more intelligent. Mm,
0: but we'll also see, you know, how that plays into it. Uh huh. And then he also found a cure for a rare disease working with Lena. He, quote unquote, rescued the cash strapped DEO. But these things are all ego feeding. So he receives Mm -hmm. rewards and then he even receives praise for not going to accept the awards like we saw with the way Alex initially reacted to him actually going to accept. When he goes – so there's also a little connection
1: to reality and narcissism Mm. in this moment with Lex because he's receiving the Nobel Peace Prize, which – the current president of the United States is bitter that he hasn't won, in part because President Obama did win it. Yeah. So, you know. Speaking
0: of narcissism. How can I be the best? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good catch because our Lex wanted to be president. He certainly did. Yeah. And then we also see that he, of course, makes the DEO public. And the DEO previously had like tried to kind of stay secret so that they can accomplish certain things better. And he even goes as far as to make a DEO advertisement. He makes that nightmare ad that
1: actually reminded me of that SNL robot insurance parody (laughs) that I sent to you the one time.
0: (laughs) It so skeeved me (laughs) out, too, like. Kara felt like a mascot yeah. it was ugh.
1: yeah it was very like propaganda-y but it was interesting because again the text in it was supporting his human first hmm. agenda even
0: though Kara was front and center yeah. in it and then we find out that this care isn't genuine like he's not a real humanitarian lex hasn't learned what feelings <laughs> are and <laughs> how he kills russell in order to Get his company. So, this Earth Prime Lex set up this system of ego padding and narcissism fueling praise for positive pro social acts. Whereas the Lex that we know and don't love. <laughs> <laughs> is more of an agentic narcissist. And we are quite familiar with how he emphasizes his intelligence in comparison to everyone around him and belittles them Mm -hmm. and feels the need to be right and does not care about seeming good. He'll lie about positive intentions, but it's more of a means to an end rather than something that feeds his ego. Mm. But after he was like alone in The Vanishing Point for a long time, which is probably hard for someone with narcissistic personality disorder because...
1: Well, certainly since at least three of the people (laughs) there were ready to punch him in the face at any moment.
0: So he doesn't get narcissistic supply, which is the term for when you get like food from other people for your ego. And then immediately after that, he like has this victory on the side of heroes during the crisis. And he's like, so this is what being a hero feels like. Interesting. And so we're seeing that he is perhaps trying a new tactic and kind of behaving more like a communal narcissist. And. How he tries to get Lena back as his like quote unquote partner, and how he says success isn't worth much if you don't have anyone to share it with. (laughs) I always wanted to share my victories with you, sis, which is code for you were my narcissistic supply when we were young, and I want to get that back. But it's interesting though because his focus is still it seems like being the smartest in the room, and we see this in how he is angry at being a puppet on a string for Leviathan. So we'll see how long this sort of fake kind Lex lasts and whether or not he can really change what kind of narcissist he is, like whether or not he can decide that now he's going to feed his ego in a different way, or if it'll feel like it's not enough for him and he'll fall back on his older ways. Mm. And speaking of, I guess, partners for Lex and also narcissists, we have Lillian, who is not the Lillian we know. No. She's Earth Prime Lillian.
1: She was wearing her awesome pink, (laughs) like Dolores Umbridge-esque little cardigan Mm -hmm. to fully hammer in the fact that she is one of
0: Kara's nightmare villains. (laughs) Yes. And her personality is, it seems, pretty constant, even though her wardrobe choices have changed. They've done a little
1: bit of a 180 when you consider that she was wearing that all black, like, engineering (laughs) scientist gear when we first saw her Mm. in season two. Well,
0: perhaps it feeds more into her image as... What I believe she is a communal narcissist. Mm. The Lillian we know consistently touts these like pro-social goals. Like she makes a point of it versus like kind of highlighting her intelligence and like her schemes, even though she does have schemes. So she emphasizes how Cadmus was defeating those like evil aliens and that was her goal. And in season two, she defended the goodness of Lex. It was a priority. She talked about watching Kara's kinsmen infect this country with propaganda e. as his power became unchecked, kind of casting them, the Kryptonians, as villains. And then she said, and when Lex tried to take that power back, Superman convinced the world Lex was evil. And it's important to her that Lex portrays the values that she values because he is an extension of herself, which we see with narcissists and their children frequently. And, you know, speaking of. Lillian defending Lex, in this reality, we see that Lex is still the golden child. Lena offers to be Lillian's partner, and Lillian says that she doesn't need a partner that she's happy on her own, essentially. And then we see her turn around and manipulate Lena to be Lex's partner, but really so that Lex can manipulate her, because Mm. she wants to be on the same level as Lex and work with Lex. So she chose to be Lex's partner rather than Lena's.
1: Yes, but we did also see a consistency in her recognition that Kara was the real threat to Lena. Mm, Yes. Well, according to the Luthers. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of why Lex's deal with the Monitor was so brilliantly cruel Mm. i say with an emoji grin (laughs) face Um, because he made sure lena would remember Mm. all of the things before but he rewrote a reality in which his name is attached
0: to all of the things she achieved on her own previously Mm. Uh. and (laughs) which makes sense because Lena is his narcissistic supply.
1: Well, it makes sense, yes. And also he has recognized because she did go through with killing him, which he didn't anticipate, Hmm. she is the biggest threat to his ego. And I suspect he maybe has always known that. But because she was so much younger than him and emotionally traumatized by losing her mom, was easily cowed and easily manipulated. And it probably made him feel
0: better to diminish her.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But he's had time to recognize the strengths that she has and to see that if left unchecked, she might actually do all the things she set out to do, which has changed the reputation of the Luthers. Mm-hmm. But look what he did. He rebranded Luther Corp the way <laughs> Lena rebranded ElCorp, Corp, but put mm-hmm. his name on it, put himself in the front of it, but left her with the memory of knowing she had all those achievements, but now no one will ever believe her her. (laughs) And knowing that her friendship with Kara is ruined. yeah, And that she won't trust any of the other people that she Mm -hmm. may have known, even though they are somewhat different in this reality. So Lex brought her back, but he brought her back much like how Kara has been brought back into a world where she just spent all this time proving that Lex was part of this destructive conspiracy and now all that evidence is gone and nobody believes it. Yeah. So it's curious because Kara and Lena are to some extent actually trying to achieve sort of the same goal in getting people to recognize that Lex is a sociopath and a danger. <laughs> I guess she isn't right now, Lena. Well, no, but I think she in her mind is thinking that she'll either be a check on what he's doing or she'll be able to see his manipulations coming far enough Kind of like she did with Lillian in season two to stop him. Mm -hmm. But again, in terms of consistency, (laughs) she's doing it in isolation because the evil voices in her ear are
0: telling her she should. Yes. So we see this concept of kind of like the familiar evil with Lena and how she chooses to align herself with Lex, but she doesn't go as far as to associate others with change and associate change with anything positive. So, she's seeking out something very specific. Mm. And being an island has kind of always been Lena's problem in the choices that she's made across the seasons. The fact that she doesn't have people around her who can change her or push her or make her grow. She doesn't let them in mm. and she makes that same choice in this episode because she's afraid of the consequences of that if mm-hmm. she makes a mistake.
1: Weirdly similar to how Kara is sometimes afraid of what will happen if she makes a mistake. Mm. Yes.
0: But, you know, another constant for Lena, which kind of battles against how she seeks to keep everything the same in her interpersonal interactions, is that she will always want genuine love. She Mm. is not a narcissist. She wants those genuine connections on some level. And Lillian mentioned it in this episode, how Hmm. Hope, who Lena had eventually started to see as a friend even though she is artificial reminded Lillian of her teddy bear and she was four years old and she describes it as cute and useless because for her it is useless <laughs> Lillian but for Lena it, it served as like a surrogate for interpersonal relationships she couldn't have at the time well Have you ever read the book The Giver?
1: Yes. So there's a specific thing it mentions in this story, which is about like a utopia sort of Mm. futuristic sci-fi setting, but that every child is given a comfort object (laughs) when they are young because there is this recognition that for little children, that psychological satisfaction that they get from just having something to hug when they're scared Mm. is important and can make people feel better. And here Lillian is in her typical psychologically destructive way, devaluing any sense of emotional security that Lena has, even going back to like maybe a thing that she kept from when her mother died.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And obviously Lillian extends... that comes up to Kara now. Oh,
1: of course she does. <laughs> you
0: can't have those Danvers messing things up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but she recognizes that, and she plays upon the fact that Lena will naturally want to be Kara's friend eventually, When the, if they're working together. She says, "If you can try to only be partners this time, but in a moment of weakness, you'll let your guard down, you'll become friends once more, and you'll be vulnerable when she hurts you all over again. So for Lena, there's always going to be that pull in the direction of genuine connection and friendship with others. But then there's a pull from the other end that is always there from her family members and from her own psychology that has built up across the years. So Lena ultimately doesn't accept Kara's assurance that Kara can be a constant in her life. Because for Lena, the most constant thing, the thing that has pulled her back always is betrayal. That's the guiding force in her life. (laughs) And Lex plays upon this idea that betrayal will always prevail over Kara. (laughs) And when he says, Kara will never see things your way, she will always work against you, which is the direct opposite of what Kara told (laughs) Lena before, I will always be your friend. It is. And despite the fact that Kara is consistently coming to Lena and being like, let me help you. Can we be friends again? (laughs) Lena can't see it for what it is. Yeah.
1: And that is, again, thinking back to consistency and stability of traits over time and maybe how they mature as you age. This is another kind of recent psychological finding that adults, particularly those who have endured very stressful childhoods, will find it more difficult to recognize a risky situation as it is developing, Mm. which means that you will see this pattern of seeming not to learn from experience, particularly when it comes to those situations Hmm. where there is risk of harm because there's so much going on psychologically due to to trauma and to stress, that the rational, more logical parts of the brain that can view that evidence objectively are not working, which interestingly is always the criticism that Lillian makes of Lena. Hmm. But it's happening in almost in the wrong places.
0: Yeah. It's a a bit of truth to manipulate Lena.
1: Yeah. But Lena's also, she's being very hypervigilant with it and doing a thing actually kind of funny that toddlers will do in overgeneralizing her fear of being betrayed. She's applying it to everything in the way that a little kid will see like any furry four-legged animal and call it a dog. Uh, (laughs) And not making distinctions between like, okay, when my friend Kara, who generally means what she says and is a loving, supportive person, tells me a thing and hurts my feelings and apologizes, she probably means it. But when my family full of evil murdering people say it, I should maybe let that go yes
0: like, um, So it's because she you know <laughs> lacks that emotional maturity the emotional granularity to see the difference between these things it's because the Luthers sure as heck never sent her <laughs> to a therapist as a child no. like, <laughs> but this episode was off the charts with the subtext <laughs> ah, i like it yeah in relation to lena deciding consistently not to trust Kara in the In sing song we heard during the big battle of the episode, (laughs) some of the lyrics are, Every little thing I do never seems enough for you. You don't want to lose it again, but I'm not like them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the entire first verse is like, I get it that you've been hurt before and that makes you think that everyone's going to hurt you, but I really won't. (laughs) You can trust me, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And first of all, shout out to... Derek Simon and the rest of the writing team on this episode, but Derek specifically, because his episodes consistently tend to use music with lyrics really well Mm -hmm. to do subtextual things to move story. But also, this is a nice tie back to one of those early friendship conversations between Kara and Lena in season two, where they talked about their love of Justin Timberlake (laughs) and Yes, So it made me laugh really hard when that was the song (laughs) they chose to use in this. And then also for the brilliant, play on the meme about how the title is it's gonna be me but there's it's gonna be may when we get the resolution to this storyline because that's when the finale will air
0: so yeah nicely nicely
1: played yeah uh,
0: it's ridiculously perfect
1: it's ridiculous but it was on every level well done yes <laughs> It was like the Britney Spears uh. in season three. It was like the
0: best. <laughs> yes, but we will not get a resolution to this storyline right away. Therefore, Alina does not choose to align herself with Kara. The sync spirit of Kara's speech does not get through to her at this point. And she does this because the unknown variables in Kara whether or not she will do something to hurt her again, or if she does something that makes Lena like her again. These unknown variables are dangerous to Lena. Mm. So she decides to go with Lex, who she knows for sure will betray her. Which
1: is a choice that makes sense for Lena if you think about her as, you know, a a strategic kind of chess move. Mm. And it also makes sense if you think To, like, the expression, better stick with the devil you know than the devil you don't. And as you said, Kara is a variable she can't account for, but Lex is constant. Lex is consistent. Lex is predictable. Yeah. She will know. And he said it to her with the truth seeker. As soon as she becomes an inconvenience to him, all bets are off. But what's kind of curious here and came up a little bit in what you said is that we know that Lena has a really good instinct for when to take risks and seize opportunities in other contexts. And we can see here that in her conversations with both Lex and Lillian that her gut instinct is to pick Kara. Hmm. But she is forcing herself to ignore that Yeah, at this point. And she still won't reflect deeply enough on why. And I would really love <laughs> to see that
0: growth happen <laughs> Someday. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's also interesting concerning what you said and not sensing risky situations approaching. Mm. Because as much as Lena knows that Lex will betray her, that didn't stop him from doing so before when he first returned in season four. Yeah. And she didn't really catch on. She had an eye on it and he still managed to, you know, stand up fully cured with powers. (laughs) So... It doesn't make her as safe as she thinks it does. No.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of where her vulnerabilities and her not learning from experience are. Mm. So in terms of like what I meant, I'm thinking of she has a really good sense of when is the right moment as an inventor, as an investor Mm -hmm. of when to take risks. And she's confident in her judgment of that when she's working without the influence of her family. Yes. Um, So
0: when the emotions are less involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But she has decided for the time being she is going to align herself with Lex and uh, so has her fellow compatriot in Not Liking Emotions, Brainy. Yes. (laughs) Who got so much glory in this episode and it was awesome to get to see Jesse Rath stretch his acting muscles a little bit and also to see his sister join in and play a version of Brainy too. Mm -hmm. That was really cool.
0: Yes. We also got to see some things that are fairly constant Across the different, all the brainies. brainies. Yes, we had that scene with the first other brainy we saw at the smoothie stand. So o- they both old have the same- comic brainy. <laughs> yes, so they both have the same taste in smoothies. But then they also did the same kind of physical. Actions in cuffing each other and then rolling on the ground (laughs) and saying the same things at the same time. It was a delightful first dose of what these characters are. And then that same other Brainy called the emo bottle Brainy Handsome, (laughs) which was kind of a throwback for me to some of our Brainy's early interpersonal issues with his tendency for arrogance. (laughs) And it's kind of interesting to see in this context him have to nail deal with insecurity on the other end mm. and then one other thing that we
1: found out was constant across all the brainies mm-hmm. was an attraction to women yes which they snuck in really nicely mm-hmm. and credit where credit is due on the show getting a little bit more sophisticated with how it messages yeah rather than smacking you in the face <laughs> the other thing just to kind of continue to touch back on like where this is all rooted in psychology is that all these things about saying like all these brainies for as different as their circumstances might be they have these things in common Is very similar to what you would see if you looked at identical twin studies and particularly cases of twins who maybe were separated at birth and then meet years later you will find that they have a lot of like freaky similarities like that mm despite completely different upbringings in a lot of cases. So again, going back to that point that there are some facets of who you are that will be constant across time and space and circumstance.
0: Yeah, which makes it very interesting to see what varies yeah, based on experience and choices. In this episode, we saw all of the brainies except for our Brainy, kind of bond over a terrible situation with some crabs on Helvin. <laughs> and he was kind of quiet at that moment. And then we saw that he generally had been slower to process information mm-hmm. and complete certain tasks. And interestingly, we saw that Brainy is possibly less emotionally intelligent than either one of the others or generally the others brainy will occasionally make little interpersonal mistakes and in, say insensitive things mm. like we saw with the well the multiverse versus dead comment <laughs> earlier on in the episode but then we also saw him say something similar to that to al the bartender or both of them saying how old are you and then brainy with the yellow belt told him shh Because he recognized that that was... Like a rude thing to say. (laughs) Yes. And then the female brainy that we got asked our brainy if, because of his personality inhibitors, if he ever felt inconsistent, uncertain, unable to balance logic and emotion. Which we know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has been a problem
1: for Brainy.
0: Yes. And we find yeah. out that our Brainy has these personality inhibitors, three of them. And he was tempted to make pretty much the same decision that Lena made in this episode of going with the familiar evil, the devil you know. Hmm. Because whereas for Lena, she fears others not being consistent with Brainy here, the self Is not constant. And who he is would change if he got rid of these inhibitors. And that is scary for him. However, characters in the episode kind of argue against his instinct to preserve this version of himself versus becoming perhaps who he truly is on the inside in assuring him that loved ones can be constants for him to rely upon. And then also, interestingly, we see that loved ones can be a catalyst for change, as we've talked about a bit. So like being an island, like we see with Lena or kind of like with the bottled world and in virtual reality, isn't necessarily good because love changes you for the better. That's something that The female brainy imparts upon our brainy. She says how she was stronger, smarter, better every moment that she was with her romantic partner. And she talks about how love isn't meant to minimize, but make you more, more capable, more compassionate. So, emphasizing that growth that is possible. Hmm. So that is positive change. But then love can also be a constant for even when your sense of self is not constant. As Kara expresses in her speech, like we talked about, she will be there when Brainy changes. And then love can also be a constant in death as expressed by the female Brainy when she says that her significant other is still with her and she lives on in the big brain. (laughs) And then when the female Brainy goes to the big brain, she tells our Brainy, you will never truly be alone, Hmm. which is a kind of more philosophical sense of love being constant.
1: Yeah. And a little bit more reminiscent of kind of Jean's culture with the way they're interconnected.
0: Yeah. And we also see Nia be kind of a demonstration of this idea, both from Brainy's end and how both Brainy and Kara kind of hear that Nia's in trouble. That was a nice moment. But then Nia assures him that no matter what happens, I love you. And then interestingly, when Brainy says that essentially he doesn't love Nia, she says to him, who are you? Because she expected that to be constant and maybe kind of thinks that he's a different Brainy. Yeah. So with the personality inhibitors, Brainy chooses to make a different decision than we saw Lena make, in like accepting help, for one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that scene where he says that he needs to go face emo Brainy
0: alone, and then he's like, "You should come too to Kara. <laughs> It's like <laughs> just really cute. Yeah, that <laughs> so was great. And then he also, you know, decides to accept himself. But then he makes a kind of similar decision in isolating himself later on. Things change, and he decides to become like kind of like an island so that he can save the world on his own which is something that we've talked about a lot with regard to lena and how it's not always a wise decision so we'll see mm. what happens with this character but
1: is brainy really alone though mm. because he has the benefit of the big brain and the reassurances from these other versions of himself
0: essentially yeah. <laughs> that they'll be there to support him that is a very interesting thing to compare to the virtual reality Mm, yeah. Because while the virtual reality is kind of like a secluded experience, as much as we've seen it so far, the big brain is filled with variation and life and other kinds of thought and people, essentially.
1: Well, I think because it comes from a different angle, it's it's about community and it's about sharing where, as we'd seen in that weird, like, fake ad for Andrea's technology, all the people were, like, in their own little bubble. Yeah.
0: Not interacting. So It's also just funny because... We talked about how Lena was kind of in an echo chamber with the virtual reality mm. and with hope and how she's only hearing her own ideas back. And then Brainy has his his <laughs> own <laughs> his doubles, yeah. his other hymns in the big brain, but it's clearly very different. So that's fun. <laughs> it is. And the last character we have to talk about with regard to... Being reset a little. (laughs) This this reset and what is constant. We have
1: Alex. Mm -hmm. And so Alex's journey kind of since the start of the series has been about figuring out who she is and being true to that self. And so we have this scene of her and, and Jean where she goes to him for advice, which... Thank you. <laughs> like first time all season. Yeah. And he says that she needs to be true to herself and that that will be kind of her signal and her her guiding point. Yes. In the midst of all of this because she's thrown off too as someone who didn't experience the vanishing point but who's now had her knowledge of all of what transpired before that given back to her and so she's assimilating two very different senses of reality herself but as we we talk about sometimes like she's got like weirdly more experience with that
0: (laughs) than everybody else so she's been oddly calm yeah so far business as usual (laughs) yeah yeah but it's interesting for her to have this conversation with jean because pretty much the biggest journey for as a character has been in discovering herself and staying true to herself. So this conversation kind of hits at the core of the character. And what kind of hasn't, I guess, been constant for Alex the whole time, she's had to kind of form into who she wants to be. Mm, But
1: who she wants to be is the important part. She's always known it. That's true. She just hasn't
0: necessarily faced it. Yeah. But now Jean is telling her that she can rely upon it, Mm -hmm. who she is. And- In a similar way to how he has always been able to rely upon his own sense of honor as a paragon of honor. And he's always had this need to protect others, even when, like he says, things were different in the past in this situation where he wasn't supposed to protect an alien from a human. And it's just also interesting to see this scene happen immediately after a scene with Lena and Lillian. Which is a
1: a nice... Parent-child contrast. There, Hmm. thinking back to the episode we did
0: talking about parenting styles (laughs) in the Supergirl universe. Yeah, but Lillian, in contrast with Jean, is sowing distrust. Into Lena. It's what she does best. Yes. <laughs> you know, she emphasizes that if she chooses to partner with Lex, her emotions won't be at risk because she already knows that <laughs> she can never trust him.
1: <laughs> Which is so different than the advice that Jean or
0: like Eliza would ever give Alex and Cara yes. about how to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. But it's just so interesting to then see Jean and Alex, who very much trust each other. And what is constant in their dynamic isn't obviously betrayal, but the ability to rely upon each other. Mm which is something that they had to build over the seasons. Even though they
1: had those uh, bumps in the road over deception. Yeah, In fact, much like the rift between Lena and Kara,
0: actually. (laughs) Well, sometimes you and I talk about the familial bonds between our main characters and how it is something that can withstand turbulence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, specifically because they are willing to open themselves up to
0: that vulnerability Mm. for the benefits of it. They risk the damages of change and life in order to keep this constant thing. yeah. But with Alex, it's in terms of things that are constant and her identity. She has pretty consistently had her memories and experiences and mind messed with. (laughs) Yeah, it it happens a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And makes maybe her sense of self fluctuate more than perhaps it would otherwise.
1: Sometimes. But I also think because of the kind of character she is, she uses that as like a moment of reflection. Sometimes, mm. but yeah, we've seen a few se- a few places where there's maybe some inconsistency a little bit with Alex when she's in alternate states. Like specifically, if we look at season four with Elseworlds Alex, who we saw had not grown up with a sister, and specifically with Kara. Mm. Who was really detached And emotionally distant From others She was very hostile Not willing to trust people As you pointed out She followed along With jerk Superman (laughs) Even though she Kind of had her reservations About his mission And whether or not He was really helping people Mm. And similarly When we saw Alex Immediately after The mind wipe In season four We saw this Kind of twist In her sense of empathy Or compassion For aliens When she was unable To recognize Kara as a person with feelings (laughs) and a sense of vulnerability. But what was kind of cool about all of this is that in the end, season four went a really long way towards demonstrating that Alex's internal compass is something that we as the audience can trust, (laughs) particularly when it comes to how she reads other people and how she connects to them. You think back to Marin saying how she would have made a good green martian Hmm. and Kara reiterated this point to James and Kelly earlier in season five that Alex's judgment when it comes to that kind of
0: stuff tends to be right except for when she disagrees with Kara
1: well, yeah, naturally. Uh, but we see this really demonstrated in Elseworlds when as soon as Alex gets new information, she is very much the Alex we all know. Hmm. I love the moment where she's like ready to fight and she's got Barry and Kara's like, no, no, he's, he's cool. He's cool. And Alex is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, But also that as soon as Kara demonstrates to her that she knows her on a level that would be sibling worthy, Alex is like, yes, I accept immediately. She's <laughs> known Kara for like two hours. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. But you also see it in Alex and her confidence in her own judgment once she reestablishes that, oh, I did have this working relationship with Supergirl. She is like a real person mm-hmm. who's got strengths and weaknesses, too, and how that pushes Alex to then not follow orders, just like she would have anyway. Um, (laughs) But with kind of a little bit of added clarity to it, because she isn't making that decision just because there's a threat to her sister specifically Hmm. when it came to the decisions about the president and the Children of Liberty and what they were doing. so. Thus far, (laughs) with Alex, when she's altered by all this various mind trickery, Hmm. we see that her relationships to the people closest to her are her guideposts for how she should react. To what's around her Because she is so A person who is so Interconnected To the other people In her life As soon as those Relationships feel Stable to her She's much more confident In herself Yeah Like we saw The great moment In this scene When Lex wants to meet With Alex and Kara And we actually see Alex look to Kara To get a sense Of how to act In that scene Mm. Because she's still Assimilating all these Different memories And things in her head But also In addition to it Being a nice moment Of how Alex relies on her relationships to other people for that sense of grounding is a neat little role reversal of how we would see little Kara in flashbacks watching alex to figure out how to behave mm-hmm. um, so this was kind of cool yeah I like it that said i would really like to know if this constant reminder <laughs> of how many times alex's brain has been messed with is going somewhere deliberate because hmm. um, it's come up a bunch of
0: times but we just don't know we just don't know so we'll see so that wraps up our discussion on constancy and change we haven't Anonymous Tumblr user here who is a little bit worried about what has changed and is looking to see what is constant. So, our question is,
1: one of the elements of the post-crisis fallout that I'm most concerned about, mainly because I don't think it will be addressed, is what the earth merge means for characters who are no longer in the show but are still beloved. Our current cast of characters have had their memories restored and lost none of their growth from the past several seasons, but what does the merge mean for Characters like James, Kat, Maggie, McGon, or others. They all had important and wonderful arcs that I'd hate to see erased or changed. If we don't see it on screen being changed, it hasn't changed. (laughs) (laughs) Picks or it didn't happen. (laughs) I mean, I don't think they're going to erase... The existence of those characters or the impact that they've had on the lives of yeah. the characters who are still in the show. Some of these characters specifically are ones where the actors just have logistical issues and will not be back. Mm-hmm for the foreseeable future but we also know the 100th episode is coming up so who knows how they'll have spliced old footage or if they've managed to get like little cameos from people we we don't know
0: yeah it's also kind of just ask yourself why they would (laughs) change things for those characters it doesn't really add anything in a story sense at this point so i think it's safe to like rest assured that if we don't see that it's different it's probably pretty much the same
1: yeah and it's in doing it that way, they're also leaving room in the event that they do get any of these actors back for future guest appearances. Mm-hmm. They can address that story at a later date and give those characters like more plot and like character development to – play with when they're there Mm. i mean like we do know that catco is still called catco so
0: (laughs) yes that's true that's that's one point
1: in the column of things with cat are okay it seems
0: like they're trying to adjust things that they aren't happy with in terms of storytelling decisions they made before but there's no real reason to do that for these characters just
1: picturing jean giving alex her memories back if earth prime alex's life was that different (laughs) and her being like (laughs) who's that i can't see them doing something like that no Uh, (laughs) presumably james will be back eventually at least for short appearances because i would hope they're also going to establish him periodically in the new clark superman show
0: oh hmm, perhaps we also have win coming up so maybe there will be a reference to best friend james right (laughs) the bros so that wraps up our episode we will be back with another next week For Back from the Future. Part one. Part one. Directed by David Harewood. David, yes. Our very own space dad. Space dad. Space director. (laughs) If you have any questions about that episode or anything we've said in this episode, you can send them to us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirls Attic. And thanks for listening.